I always love having guests on the show that are former Leos, former military. My next guest, Mike Witzgall, is an amazing person. He is training the next generation and current members of law enforcement, training our brave men and women to protect this great country. You're going to love this episode. Mike was a military guy, was in the Marine Corps, then went to the Army, spent time with Dallas SWAT. You're going to love Mike Witzgall next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Patrick here. Thank you for tuning in to the number one criminal justice podcast on the internet. That is the CJ Evolution podcast made possible by you, the listener and supporter. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors. Detecticam is an amazing and innovative company that is protecting our brave men and women in uniform by providing mobile threat detection available for the palm of your hand. Head over to cjevolution.com. See what this amazing company can do for your organization. And big shout out to all the brave men and women out there protecting this great country every day. Folks, I am so excited to be partnered with Onnit. Onnit is total human optimization. They're athletes, biohackers, professionals, retirees, parents, gamers, fighters, police officers. We're all human trying to get a little better at what we love every day. The human body is our instrument that we play to achieve greatness, and optimizing it for peak performance requires the proper nutrition, fitness, and supplementation. Onnit provides these foundations to support your human journey. Head over to cjevolution.com, see the link for Onnit, and see what they can do for your body and mind. You're going to love their products. On to the show with the one, the only, Mike Witzgall. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I am very excited to have my next guest on the show, Mike Witzgall. Are you there, brother? I'm here, sir. Well, thank you. You call me, sir. I'm looking behind me, looking for my dad, man. I'm like, where's my, where's my dad? <laughs> okay, <answer> <laughs> Mike, glad you, uh, glad for you to be here, brother. And uh, for those people out there who don't know who Mike Witzgall is, can you give a little bio of yourself, sir? Well, let's see. I'm a retired Dallas police officer by way of the uh, United States Marine Corps, and then later the United States Army. Ooh-ah. Was it yes? <laughs> <laughs> was a cop uh, in Dallas for 16 years before a uh, catastrophic injury forced me into uh, retirement. What I do now is I teach uh, basic, advanced, and hostage rescue. I'm sorry, basic and advanced SWAT and hostage rescue uh, all over Texas. Uh, I have taught up in Alaska, California, and also on the East Coast. But uh, to date, as near as we can tell, we've got about uh, we've trained about 5,000 police officers from over 500 law enforcement agencies. So that's uh, that's me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, brother. You well, first of all, thank you for your service. Um, you, you probably know, and you you read the news, Mike. I mean, you see a lot of people. Uh, you probably know a lot of people. I'm sorry that are still in law enforcement. We're under attack. We have been for a while. It seems like it's getting worse. And and thank you for your service, uh, both in the military, Marine Corps, Army. And I always like to ask, buddy, I mean, people that have uh, been in the military, you know, uh, served in law enforcement, what what made you join uh, the armed forces and what made you join law enforcement? Well, (laughs) 
to join the Marine Corps. It was to <laughs> escape um, my first high school girlfriend. That I love it. I love it. Out wedding announcements, and I'm pretty sure I remember not asking her to marry me. Mm-hmm. She was a Klingon. She was she was clinging on to you, buddy. Um, I was raised in a military family, also. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, to use a, a, a very overused term, we were a service oriented family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Marine Corps was was wonderful. Uh, yes, I was in the Army, but I still I drank the uh, the scarlet and gold Kool Aid of the United States Marine Corps mm-hmm. ages and ages ago. Uh, I, I, I served in the Corps Infantry and then uh, the elite uh, reconnaissance mm-hmm. teams. Got out of uh, the uh, got out of the Corps, went to college. Uh, you know, to, to I want to try my hand at college. I wanted to play football. Uh, what led me back into the Army? Uh, I wanted to continue to serve, and mm-hmm. I couldn't think of um, uh, couldn't think else I wanted to do other than be back in the military. It's, you know, specifically speaking, Patrick, the infantry. Uh, of course, uh, uh, as you know, I, I got injured again, uh, or I got injured. Uh, it, uh, very debilitating injury. Had to leave the uh, the army. Took me about a year, but I got healthy and got on with the Dallas Police Department. To me. And I'm sure you can relate relate to this. It's a natural uh, gravitation carry into law enforcement, or I will even add fire rescue. Though I don't do fires. Well, that's for the fire department, brother. Yeah, yeah that's their job. <laughs> I, I don't do fires at all. Well, I just want to give a little kudos to you, Mike. I'm just reading something here. Uh, I, I think you're a very humble guy. Uh, you had 48 written commendations, two life saving awards one police commendation bar for valor, two certificates of merit for valor, and a medal of valor, 43rd recipient. And, and you were on the elite SWAT team in Dallas, correct? That is all correct. Yes, sir. Now, I have to ask you a question. I remember watching Dallas SWAT years ago. I don't even oh, know if that boy. show is still on the air, is it? I, I hope not. And I was just thinking about that when you were talking about your career in Dallas and before we were off there, and I was like, I, I, I didn't even think about it, but now I'm thinking about it. Were you, were you one of those guys, dude? No. <laughs> Thank you, God. I wasn't. Do you, um, I'm sure you know some of those guys, right? I know, I know just about all of them. It was horribly, horribly cheesy. <laughs> I thought it was a good uh, show. I thought it was pretty cool. That's some real-life stuff going on. I'm sure it was choreographed to some degree. I, I, I watched the first five minutes of the first episode and never watched it. <laughs> guys were just coming on SWAT when I was when I was leaving. Um, and I just uh, uh, it just didn't really do us any favors. <laughs> they thought it would be a great re, uh, recruiting tool for law enforcement and for SWAT. And I don't think it uh, I'm not sure if you know what's going on here in Dallas right now with recruiting. Uh, actually, it's pretty much everywhere. But here in Dallas. Um, it just didn't do what those guys do. Well, that's probably the reason why it's not on the air anymore. <laughs> well, bad, bad ratings, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. But that's a good segue to what we, I want to ask you again, brother. I know you got your, your finger on it, your training, just doing so much great work with our brave men and women in uniform, and you, you hit on attrition rates, and that's everywhere. You know that, Mike. I mean, wh- what do you – what do you think some of the challenges are? Maybe this is too broad of a question, but I'll ask it anyway. You hit recruitment. What what other challenges do you think law enforcement faces now and in the future? Oh, gee whiz. Um, 
right now, of course, uh, uh, the biggest issue across the nation is is uh, is recruitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a there's a lot of reasons why we're having so much trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of course, is is uh, let's face it, nobody comes a, becomes a cop uh, to get rich. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. But when officers, and I know several officers at different departments that are actually on food stamps, then That's, there's a problem. That is ridiculous. Then you couple that with the chopping away of our benefits. Our, our, our benefits, uh, you know, for a lot of years in Dallas, Patrick, you know, we would, we would talk amongst ourselves, yeah, our benefits aren't that great, but man, our retirement is just, just incredible. Well, now that's faltered. Uh, we're still not sure how the retirement system is going to go. It was almost in bankruptcy because of management. Uh, so there's those issues, benefits, no good, no good retirement. Uh, then, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. This is tough, but a lot of times there's, there's not a lot of good leadership. We, we, we suffer from, a, uh, at least here in Texas. I can't speak for everywhere. But a lot of political chiefs that are mm-hmm. more concerned with, you know, uh, their jobs, saving their jobs, being a politician, than they are serving the troops. That's, you know, just a, a personal opinion. But at the same time, as a troop, man, I, I, I'll handle the low pay. I'll work with the benefits. But if I've, I've got good leadership, I'm golden. And I think that... Uh... Didn't, isn't there a, a petition out there to, to have the Dallas police chief resign? I guess she made some comments. Oh, boy. Yeah, you, and I don't want to get into a political discussion or anything like that. But um, All right, first female chief in Dallas. Um, from what I understand, she was not even in the top ten uh, of the uh, finalists. Comes to visit, sees the mayor, sees the uh, – meets the city council and the city manager. Next thing you know, she's the chief of police. Mm-hmm. Now, i got to be fair to her. She inherited quite the mess. Uh, it was in the midst of all the problems with our pension and pay and, and things like that. But she's done nothing to alleviate the situation. Like she's more out trying to make fashion statements than she is <laughs> truly leadership. And I think she made a comment, and I don't quote me, Mike, and you, you know probably better than I do, but she said that, you know, people coming out of prison are forced, forced to commit violent acts because they have no other choice. And that, I think that's the statement. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, that is a... That is a that, that's uh, the, state, the statement that really got yes. her in the hot water. And, and people aren't you know, forced to make crimes. There, so. there are other things that she has done and yeah. said. Uh, that's just honestly, uh, Patrick, that's just one of many. Uh, I have to be fair. Like I said, she inherited a yeah. mess. The former chief of police, Dave Brown, uh, was really good for about three years. Then uh, things started to go bad. He quit on a high note. He retired on a high note, uh, handling the Dallas Five murder. Horrible uh, tragedy. Uh, the way he handled it. Uh, so he retired at a perfect time. Mm-hmm. But Jeez. what we have now, uh, verdict is still out on her, and you know maybe she can turn turn herself around and turn the whole ship around, but I just don't know. And, and to be fair to her, Mike, like you, I mean, it, I, I, how many sworn does Dallas have? Well, we're supposed to have over 3,000. We're supposed to have 
I want to say 3,500, but right now we're like about 2,500. So it's still a fairly large department. Oh, it's yeah, it's it's very big. So, like you said, she inherited some problems, and ho- God willing, hopefully, she can, you know, turn things around. To be fair with her, I mean, you know, Mike, we were talking off the air. I mean, the, it's just friggin' political at those levels. Yes, it is. So yes, it is. Now you mentioned Mike, you know, and again, you had such a distinguished career. You're still doing great things, but you were injured. You had a debilitating injury. Uh, can can you talk about how you got hurt? And what happened after that? Well, uh, how I got hurt, I had several minor injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I had a pretty good one, got got uh, not really run over, but got whack, whack, car mm-hmm. and uh, busted up the knee pretty bad. Uh, that occurred during the Dallas Cowboy Parade and the subsequent riot that followed. Uh, uh, and nothing, nothing went right from there as far as healing. Mm-hmm. Over the years, uh, I dealt with constant infections, constant surgeries. Then starting in about uh, 2003, the infection finally went systemic. Jeez. Uh, throughout my, you know, I mean, again, that's throughout my entire body. And uh, it, uh, it developed into MSRA. Um, ended up with somewhere, you know, from about 2003 to 2005, somewhere around trying to save the leg. Uh, eventually a fungal infection started in the bone also, uh, at the distal end of the femur. So finally the doctors, you know, uh, we all talked and, and Shelly and I, that is my wife of 21 years. Uh, she and I decided, you know, uh, this thing's going to kill you if you don't get rid of it. So finding a doctor that would take the leg was, was a real problem, but we, we landed, uh, under the phenomenal care of Dr. Frank Gottschalk, world-renowned. Uh, and as I say, it was uh, that's pretty much history. Um, the day after uh, the amputation, I unhooked the uh, uh, the pain pump that I'd been living on and really hadn't looked back since. Wow. And, and we talked about this, Mike. Yes. Uh, and, and I know you, It's and you made a great point about our brave men and women coming back uh, from combat in, in the war theaters overseas and, you know, they, you know, they're on patrol once they get hit by an IAD, they wake up and their leg is gone. But still, I mean, how did you, and I know you had time because you were dealing with a lot of pain, you were dealing with a lot of infection and it, it spanned, you know, the course of a long time. But Mike, I really do think, buddy, that you are, I mean, not a lot of people, even though you're out of pain and you're out of your infection, it's still, you know, I think, I mean, I don't know. You tell me. It's it's still one of those things where, holy shit, my, my leg is gone or above the knee. Um, and now I got to live with that. And it just, I mean, I guess it's just the mindset. I mean, you just have that mindset, brother. And it probably instilled from you at a very young age in the Marine Corps and the Army that you just got to keep fighting. No, you never quit. Yeah, you never quit. When I, leaning up to the amputation, mm-hmm. I'd had so many surgeries uh, God bless the Dallas Police Department because yeah. they could, you know, they could have dropped me. Sure. Uh, you know, dropped me from the rolls uh, through some incredible finagling. My place of duty was at home on bed rest or in the hospital having surgery. Um, I knew very uh, within a few weeks from the amputation, we hadn't found Dr. Gottschalk yet. We didn't know what to do. I knew I had one good fight left in me. Mm-hmm. And it had to be the amputation. 
you and I both learned at an early age in the military, you never reinforce a defeat and you never force a victory. Mm-hmm. And all I was trying to do with these surgeries was I was trying to force a victory that just wasn't going to happen. Sure. You come across as a guy, Mike, and you tell me if I'm wrong, that even all you've been through, losing part of your leg, that you're an incredibly grateful individual. I try to be. You know, to, you know, hey, you know, this world is tough, but God is great. Yeah, and I exactly. And I always lock on to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think it's in, and again, so much of it, Mike, and I talk a lot about this on my show with guests. It's, it's just having that mindset, man. It's having that fight, you know, that fighter mindset. A lot of people don't, I don't think, at least in my experience, and they, they give up. We were talking about <clears throat> attrition rates and how officers aren't, Getting into this great profession like you and I did years ago, uh, officers tragically, you know, Mike, are committing suicide at an alarming rate. I, I, I guess my question to you is, why are why are we taking better care of our first responders? And and the because I, I I think we should be doing so much, and and, and we're falling short. And it seems like it's systemic. It's all over the country. Cool. Um, I. Boy, I tell you, uh, what an age-old question. You know, why aren't we taking better care of... of uh, and, and military men and women. Yeah, why don't we take better care of our military? It's, what, 22 a day? Enforcement, it's uh, every other day. Yeah. Fire rescue is about the same. Uh, it's easy. I think, I think society, our government, uh, our nation doesn't take care of its first responders uh, because it's easy not to. Yeah. It's easy to dump money into uh, other, uh, I don't know, I'll pick on Dallas, beautification projects. Mm-hmm. When you've got officers that, that are living on food stamps. Um, you've got officers that, that uh, uh, desperately need better pay. They're mm-hmm. working two and three extra jobs, which is also self-defeating. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't have an answer to that. Uh, other than the fact that it's just easy to turn a blind eye uh, uh, to the needs of your first responders. Mm-hmm. And you talk to somebody, I mean, you're training thousands of, of brave men and women out there, Mike. I mean, what, are they, uh, when you talk to them and I, and, or you have an opportunity to talk to them, I mean, what are they saying to you? They're frustrated. They're yeah. hurt. They're angry. Uh, I emphasize that some of them are still very positive because they've got great sheriffs, great sure. chiefs, um, you know, I just, I, I was telling you off air that I just taught a class in a uh, uh, basic SWAT in Brownwood, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the guys are thrilled because they've got an awesome sheriff. And he came out, he watched the training, he and I chatted. Uh, and again, uh, those of us in the military, we can tolerate a lot as long as we've got good leadership uh, uh, above us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, providing good leadership to those below us. Yeah. But that's not every agency. A lot of these young officers are frustrated. They're tired. They feel beaten down. Uh, I know statistics show that 78% or something like that of America believes in law enforcement, their mm-hmm. first responders, but we're not seeing it. And uh, I, I just wish we were more, and, I, and I've seen the same stats, I just wish people would be more vocal about it. Well, when you've got a very boisterous minority of people that dislike us, all right, uh, that are that uh, use social media to a high end. That uh, that and I will be very candid with you. The regular media, the local media, mainstream, I guess is the term. Yeah. Uh, 
You're exactly right. Sight with them, uh, it just kills us. It, it kills yes. our morale. But I tell people all the time, especially the law enforcement officers out there, brave men and women and military who protect this great country every day. If you're listening right now, and I know some of you probably are, we support you. We love you. You're doing a great job, a fantastic job. Keep up the good work. Screw the people, the very, you know, the, the, the small minority of people out there that are talking shit about you because we, we believe in you. We, we, we love you. We honor you. And that goes a long way, Patrick. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it really does. Um, sadly, you know, you, you, you might say that to a young officer's face. Five minutes later, he's sure. being accused of being a racist on a traffic stop. Exactly. Or, you know? Uh, yeah. So it's, it, it's a beatdown. Can you talk, Mike, switching gears a little bit? You, you've written a couple books. Can you talk about these books? Well, the first book was called Sentinel's Choice. Mm -hmm. And uh, my books are fictional. Uh, albeit I have, uh, uh, actually for SWAT published eight training manuals, uh, under Charlie Mike enterprises, but these, uh, these, uh, uh, fictional books are, uh, thriller slash murder mysteries. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they take place in the city of Dallas. Um, uh, I'm on the third book, third book, which of course has all the same characters minus, minus the dead bad guys, of course. <laughs> But, Which uh, is a good thing. They're they're new guy. They're new bad guys to kill. <laughs> Unless I want to reanimate them and you know use zombies, but there's so many zombie books nowadays. Um, anyway, it's uh they've been very very and I knock on wood and and uh, they've been very popular, uh, especially uh, to you know the people I'm writing to is really cops. But what I didn't know is there's there's a lot of um, civilians that love murder mysteries. Oh, of course. Dunnets, thrillers, and that type of stuff. That's awesome. And, and they can find it at uh, Amazon on your site? Where? Yeah, on Amazon. Uh, they can order it on Amazon. If they want signed copies, they can go to my website. It's uh, sentinelschoice.com. And I recommend you use uh, 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 a Chrome browser or something like that. Uh, what is it? The, uh, Microsoft, what is that? The, um, oh, I can't remember what it is now. Uh, <laughs> darn it. Boy, I was right there too. Anyway, uh, uh, some of these other browsers work real, real well, but not so much the Microsoft one getting to my website. Well, we'll have all that linked up, uh, in the show notes. Very, again, very, very popular books. Everybody go out there and buy Mike's uh, books. And uh, that's a good segue, I think, Mike. We've been talking about what you're doing with brave men and women out there, our brothers and, and sisters in blue. Talk about Charlie Mike Enterprises. Charlie Mike Enterprises uh, was formed in 1998. Uh, originally, I just wanted to teach the more advanced uh, as a part-time gig. I'll, I'll tell you that much because I was still you know, heavily involved in uh, full-time law enforcement. Uh but I, I just want to teach the more advanced SWAT subjects like, you know, advanced SWAT hostage rescue, mm -hmm. terrorism. Uh, slowly over the years, we started teaching more and more basic SWAT schools. And that is actually our most popular uh, uh, training school we do. That, and I should qualify it, active shooter training. Uh, and again, active shooter training was not so, until I was actually asked to, uh, uh, to teach it. Uh, Charlie Mike Enterprises, as I mentioned earlier, we've trained somewhere around 5,000 officers, uh, over 500 law enforcement agencies. 
We've been uh, incredibly blessed. We've been up in Alaska four times teaching. Um, darn the luck. You know, right in the Texas summer, we got to go up there uh, each time. Um, no, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, a phenomenal ride. I will admit to you that I'm, I'm uh, getting a little beaten up and tired. Last year, I was in hotels almost half the year. We average about, um, about one school a month, which doesn't sound very much, but there's 80 hours of prep, 60 hours of the school, then 40 hours of uh, uh, what we call reconciliation, weapons repair, all that kind of stuff. And that starts into the next window for the next school. So you're busy. You're a busy, busy man. Very, yes, sir. Very busy. And you, you obviously have a very supportive wife, Shelly, who's been at your side for a very long time. Well, I had, I had new dimensions to the, the phrase for better or for worse, <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, she, uh, she does a lot of the administrative work for the business. Uh, she's starting to take over advertisement, doing certificates, which frees me up for other parts of it, like weapons repair and stuff like sure. that. So what's next for you, brother? I know you're busy. I know you're busy with traveling. I know you got your third book coming out. Anything else on the horizon for, for Mike? Well, other than, okay, other than getting that third book out, I, <laughs> I've got a passion. I have what, I don't know if you've looked at uh, Facebook, but I've got my uh, uh, urban farming projects going on. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, uh, gee whiz, this year we uh, harvested uh, uh, 60 or 70 pounds of potatoes. Uh, we put all this stuff up, you know, uh, uh, we can them, we... Uh, uh, make our own pickles, all this kind of stuff. I've got, I've got 11 laying hens in my backyard and one very evil rooster. Oh, he's, he's Satan spawn. I'm telling you, but I think, um, I don't know. People ask me to write, write, uh, on the urban farmer all the time. And you no, know, I, I do, uh, website, I'm sorry, not website, but, uh, Facebook post all the time because they want to learn how to can stuff. They want to learn how to uh, put up stuff. Uh, de, you know, uh, dehydrate stuff, freeze dry stuff. So I'm real, real busy with that. But I don't know, just haven't had a lot of time to work on books for it. Uh, you're just too busy, brother, which is a good thing. That's a good problem to have, I guess. Well, it keeps me out of trouble. Exactly. Well, brother, how can I know you mentioned your website? Is, is that the main sort? How can people find you through the through the site or what? Um, really and truly, Facebook. Uh, Charlie Mike Enterprises. Uh, is the business page, but uh, Michael Witzgall, uh is my personal page. And, of course, I've got Mike Witzgall for book writing and then the Urban Farmer Report. Yes. Well, Mike Witzgall, thank you so much, brother. God bless you. Thank you for your service uh, to this great country, uh, to the Dallas Police Department. Much success to you in the future, brother. If you ever need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I will. I will. And thank you for your service, Patrick. Well, thank you so much, sir. And, uh, you know, much success in the future. And again, have a great night and uh, take care. God bless, brother. Stay safe. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the CJ Evolution Podcast. For more strategies for self-improvement and resources based on today's episode, be sure to head to cjevolution.com. You can also connect to Patrick directly on social media at Pat underscore Fitzgibbons with any questions, comments, or concerns. We look forward to helping you find more personal success on the next episode of the CJ Evolution Podcast.